Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Come meet the King. Praise God. Most of us, if I could just take a few moments to set this story up, most of us, and I alluded to it this morning, and perhaps it's because I had felt so strong uh, these things upon my heart, but uh, most of us are aware of the story of how that Absalom had a, or David had a son by the name of Absalom that rebelled against him. And uh, because of some prior hurts and the ways that David had dealt with things that he didn't understand, uh, there grew a bitterness in his heart. And he was a very charming, charismatic individual. And he was able, the Bible says, to turn the hearts of Israel, the men of Israel, away from his father, King David. And he began to rule in Jerusalem. He had taken the city of Jerusalem for himself, not because David could not defend it, but because David refused to defend it. He refused to make a battleground out of the city of Jerusalem. Many may look at this story and at first think that it was a lack of courage that David didn't stay and fight and defend the city of Jerusalem. But it was because he loved that city so much he was willing to walk away from it and to allow God to fight his battles. And this seems to be a pattern with King David. He allows the Lord to work in situations. He doesn't preempt situations. He doesn't get too hastily involved in situations. He doesn't get ahead of God, but he allows God to work. I'm going to tell you that if God's blessing and if God's favor And if God's anointing is upon your life, then you don't have to struggle to make it known yourself. You don't find yourself in competition with anybody else because God's hand being upon a person is all that person needs. It's all that individual needs is the favor of God. My Bible says that God puts one up and He puts another down. My God says that He is able to elevate Amen, if we'll just allow Him to. And so as we commit ourselves to the Lord and to His will, God will direct us and God will show us the way that we need to walk. And David, instead of defending Jerusalem, the Bible says that he gathers together his closest followers and he slips away and goes across the Jordan and goes into what some may call exile. And it's during this time that there is a battle that ensues between Absalom and uh, the men of David, Joab, leading the charge. And Joab comes and reports that Absalom has been slain and killed on the battlefield. He is there hanging by the hair of his head in a the boughs of an oak. And, and Joab finds him in this precarious position. And he thrusts him through with arrows and slays him and comes back and reports this to King David. 
Of course, initially David is very grieved and distraught because this is his son. This is not the way that he wanted things to end, but he wanted to be reconciled with his boy. And then eventually he begins to wonder, are the people going to call me back to the city of Jerusalem? Are they going to realize that they made a mistake in appointing Jo- are appointing Absalom as king over them. Are they going to realize the error of their ways? And are they going to call for me, God's anointed, to lead them? And so he sends eventually a messenger to the men of Judah. And uh, as I read this story, and, and as this thing begins to escalate, and I, I read uh, how this all came about, and how David comes back, into the city of Jerusalem and again reestablishes his throne there. There, there's some, there's some groups of people that it's amazing how this story unfolds that would meet the king upon his return. First of all, as David is making his entrance and, and coming back to Jerusalem, he, he wonders, why is it that Judah has not come out first to welcome me? I am bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh. I'm among their people. And I just don't understand why my own tribe has not come out to welcome me back into the city of Jerusalem. Now, I don't have the time to go into all of the nuances of this story. But let me just tell you, we all know what Judah represents. And so when the king is returning, he is astonished. He said, these are people that always lead in battle. There's been times when we've been circumferenced by an enemy. We've been surrounded when it looked like there was absolutely no way out. And I set Judah on the front line. And I told them to go first. And as they went forth, the Bible says that God discomfited the enemy. In other words, he brought confusion into the enemy's camp. Let me just tell you, it is not as Brother Buxton preached, the will of God that the people of God be confused. If there's confusion, we know that there's confusion in this world. Let it be there, but don't let it ever enter into the hearts of the people of God. We're not confused about whom we serve. We're not confused about His abilities or His power. We're not confused about what He is able to do and how He is able to help us. But we do understand that we've got a God that is on our side. But David is perplexed. He said, why is not praise leading the charge? Why is it that they're the last ones? He actually used those words. They're the last ones to come out and to welcome me. They should be the first. They should be out front. But they are the last ones. I'm going to tell you, there's a danger when praise is not out front. There's always a danger when praise comes in last. There's always, uh, amen, room for confusion. And there's room for the enemy to work. And there's room for the enemy to bring discouragement upon God's people if Judah is not in its rightful place. You may think worship is just so many calisthenics and it's so much uh, just a part of our custom. But I'm going to tell you that worship is more than all of that. Worship is what brings victory. Worship is what brings the presence of God into the problem 
into the situation. Worship is what brings the presence of the Lord into the situation that you need Him to intervene in. If you desire a miracle, if you want something from God, the way that you can receive it is say, first of all, I'm going to give God praise. First of all, I'm going to enter in His presence with thanksgiving. First of all, I'm going to come into the house of God and lift up my voice. I may have problems. I may have challenges. There may be opposition. There may be things against me. But let it be known it's not going to stop my praise. It's not going to hinder me from worshiping the Lord. But I'm going to enter into every problem, every difficulty, every situation with praise in my heart. Why don't we lift up our voice right now and give praise to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, it's always astonishing to me how so many times we wait to do the things of God that He has instructed us to do in His Word. We often wait and use them as a last resort. We use them as the last option when really they should be the go-to thing. That should be, amen, if you will, the thing that we try and endeavor and engage in first. It shouldn't be that that it's the last option to pray. It shouldn't be that it's the last option. After we've exhausted every other avenue, then I'm going to come to the house of God. Then I'm going to worship the Lord. Then I'm going to try God. But I want to tell you, you can come running to God. You can come calling on His name. You can come worshiping Him. The Bible said He's a very present help in the time of need. If you've got a need in this house tonight, God is waiting on somebody to throw up their hands and say, God, this is bigger than me. This is greater than I am. I don't have the answers, but you've got the answers. I don't know how, but you know how. I can't see the way, but you know the way. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you all the way through my problems. You see, it's the work of the devil to try to silence you. To try to put a sock, as it were, in your mouth. To try to get you to shut up and settle down and be quiet and not praise God. Because he knows as you begin to praise the Lord, you're going to begin to feel him. Your faith is going to be inspired. And you're going to release that faith. And where faith is released, there's miracles that are going to happen. There's a work of God that's going to be done. You can't stop the hand of God from working. He can't stop the hand of God from working. Whether somebody says this is bigger than me, but I know a God that is able to take care of it all. I know a God that is able to help in this situation. I will praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, I encourage you. I admonish you tonight. Don't let praise be your last option. Don't let praise come in the last place. Amen. But let it be a priority. When you're faced with things that you don't understand, let praise lead you. Amen. 
Praise God. It takes faith to do that. Because when you're staring in the eyes of opposition, when you're looking at the very thing that seems insurmountable, for you to, to, to lift up your voice and to praise God in the face of that, it can be very intimidating. It can seem like there's no use. It can seem like a, an effort in futility. But I'm just praying that somebody realizes tonight the power of it. Amen. It would have been easy for people in the Scripture just to sit down and say, you know what? We'll just accept this. This is the way it is. We'll learn to live and survive with it. But thank God Paul and Silas didn't have that attitude. Thank God at midnight in the darkness of a dungeon, they said, you know what? Praise is the best thing that we can do, even in the midst of this depression, even in the midst of all of these fears and and intimidation, even in the midst of things that we don't understand and we don't know the way out of. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to magnify the Lord. I think somebody ought to just take a break right now and praise Him. Somebody just take a moment right now and leap for joy. Somebody right now ought to just take a moment and lift up your voice so the devil can hear you and say, Devil, you're not going to steal my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise. Praise is first response. Praise is people that lead out. Praisers are people that come in first place and say, I'll stand, I'll worship, I'll extend my faith in praising God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord and let's give Him a shout right now. Come on, anybody feel like giving Him a shout right now? Oh, yeah. Amen. He, he was wondering. He said, where are you at? I was expecting you to come out first. I was expecting you to be here and show up before everybody else. Where are you at, Judah? Amen. Where are you at? I'm going to tell you in this hour, this hour when people have needs, this hour we need the intervention of God like never before. In this hour, we want to see miracles. We want to see revival. We want to see the blessing and the favor of God. We want to see this, sh- this city shaken. Amen. To its core. We want to see people come in and pray through to the power of the Holy Ghost. We want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We want to see people healed. We want to see God. He may get a hold of the hearts of individuals. I'll tell you how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen with dead church. It's not going to happen with lightless church. It's not going to happen with formality. It's not going to happen just with tradition. It's not going to happen because you come and just sit there. But somebody's got to have the faith to get up and say, I may have problems, but I still got praise. I may be perplexed in my mind, but I still got praise in my heart. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to magnify the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, praise. It's time you get up. It's time you meet the key. It's time you make your way into the presence of the Lord. Come on. It's time you get up and show yourself praise. It's time you take control of the situation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not only, not only did he meet praise, there was, there was a certain person. I, I preached about him a little bit this morning that had wronged King David. On David's leaving, he ridiculed him. He cursed him. 
He said some awful things about him. The Bible even says that he hurled stones at him. Oh, but when David makes his entry back into the city of Jerusalem, makes his way back across the Jordan, Shimei is waiting for him right on the banks of the Jordan. Shimei knows I'm a sinner. I need some grace. I need this man to show me some mercy. And he comes and bows his knees and pleads, pleads with David that he would show mercy upon him. And David does show mercy upon him. I just want to take a moment and tell you that when revival breaks loose, I'm going to tell you what, what, what I'm, I'm preaching here tonight is simply this. When the king shows up, revival happens. Great things begin to transpire. Victories are won when the king shows up. Things begin to break out and the work of God is accomplished when he has his way and when he's able to be welcomed into our house, into this church. I told you this morning, in Jerusalem is a type of the church. Amen. He's coming. He's coming back to Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you, God wants to come and rule in this house. He wants to rule in situations in your life. He wants to move in situations that you've encountered and things that you're facing and what you're going through and prayers that you need answered and the breakthrough that you need. He's able to give it. He wants to come. He's on His way because there's been some people that's been crying. I've seen you. I've seen you up here during the day praying and crying out to God. Don't think that God hasn't seen it. Don't think that God has not. I've seen you. I've seen you in church service. Hot tears running down your cheeks, lifting up your hands. I know there's some that are that are cold. I know there's some that are calloused. I recognize that there's some that are oblivious to what's going on. But don't think that God hasn't seen you. Don't think that God does not recognize recognize you. Don't think that God's not interested in you. He'll look to a crowd and find a hungry heart. He'll look to a crowd and he'll find that person that is praising and reaching out and, and has a desire. He'll look to an audience and say that one. I marked them for blessing. I marked them for favor. God is just that kind of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. But can I tell you that when he shows up, I believe with all of my heart he's coming to reconcile people like Shimei. People that are in need. People that know they made some mistakes and are willing to bow their knees and willing to repent and plead and cry out for mercy. God is willing. I tell you the king is willing to forgive. He's willing to restore. He's willing to give hope to. He's willing to give another chance to. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on others that you've been praying for. I want to encourage you in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've been praying for some people. Maybe you've been calling on the Lord to, to minister and work in some people's life. And you wonder, I don't see any movement. I, I don't see anything happening here. I don't see that, that the meter has changed any, any in the least. I don't see anything, amen, that is cause for me to be encouraged. But I want to preach to you. You just keep on praying. Because when this thing busts wide open, amen, the current begins to flow. And this 
this thing begins to happen like God wants it to, amen, you're going to see that suddenly he's going to come to his house. Suddenly he's going to work miracles. You may have been praying for a long time, but that doesn't mean it takes God a long time to do it. You may have been seeking God for a long time, but in one night, one service, one revival, one visitation, one time in the presence of God, God can change everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Get your hands in there right now. Say, God, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Come, come to preach to you. Shimmy, I, he's coming for you. I said he's coming. He's coming for you. He's coming with forgiveness. He's coming with mercy. He's coming with reconciliation. He's even coming for restoration for the backslider. God is coming. He wants to meet you. There's another. There's another. Amen. That is in this story. The Bible said he was so grieved. He was so distraught that he had not changed his garments. He had not washed himself. He was so distraught. I've I've seen people enter into the depths, and this is one of the signs of it, of deep depression. When they reach a place that they're unconcerned about, about personal hygiene. They're unconcerned about their appearance in the least. It's, it's the lowest of low. He's not shaven. He's, he's unkempt. He's not groomed at all. His clothes are stained. He, he smells bad, if you will. He, he feels like a total reject because Mephibosheth, you understand, was just a boy. He was just five years old. When news came that his father and grandfather, Jonathan and Saul, had been killed on the battlefield. And his nurse took him in her arms. And in her haste, she dropped him and fell herself upon him and left him wounded. Now I want you to get the picture here. This is somebody that he was depending on to help him. This was somebody that had total and entire trust in. This is somebody he had put faith in. But they had let him down. They had dropped him. And they had wounded him. And he was left in a position where he was hurt. He was discouraged. And David was the only one that thought of him. As he lived in Lodabar. And he was away and separated from any of the royal family. He had no place in life. But just scratching out an existence. And getting by and barely surviving. And David called for him. And gave him a place to eat at his table. And he was so thankful for that. But now... David had left and he was alone again and depression came back on him and that feeling of despair came back on him and there's thoughts of hopelessness and giving up came back on him that old hurt began to be away I'm going to tell you something some of you you could be just so dismissive of somebody that's been hurt and somebody's been wounded especially by somebody they put trust in and they they put the, they put so much hope in and they put so much faith in and to have that person let them down it can be a very hurtful thing emotionally it it can leave scars upon the heart and all of this like a dam that is broke comes rushing back into his mind and he's wondering and he's he's living with this 
bitterness, this discouragement, knowing, knowing that David was the one, the only one that ever showed me mercy, the only one that ever cared for me, the, the one that gave me a place at the table, the one that fed me, the one that nurtured me, the one that protected me. Now I'm all out here by myself again. And all of this comes rushing back. But somebody came and knocked on his door and said, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, amen. Have you heard the news? Do you know what's going on in Jerusalem today? No. Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you what's happening. The king, King David. I'm not talking about Absalom. I'm talking about David. I'm talking about the one, the true king. He's coming back to Jerusalem. I'll tell you what you need to do. I know you're crippled. I know you're weak. I know you've been discouraged. You've been holed up in this room all by yourself. But you need to get ready because he's coming. And can you see that feeble man on the help of a cane walking out to the edge of the Jordan and saying, King, I can't hardly believe it. You're coming back. The one that I love. The one that I adore. The one that I'm so thankful for. The one that gave me a chance when nobody gave me a chance. The one that loved me when nobody loved me. The one that restored me. The one that gave me a place at his table. The one that cared for me. Welcome, King. Welcome. And the King embraces him. And the King restores him. And the King loves him. I've come to preach to the Fibbishia. There's still room for you. There's still hope for you. There's still a God that cares about you. And when the King comes to this house, you can believe he's coming looking for Mephibosheth. Oh, lift up your voice to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Praise God, praise God. I feel like fleshing that out just a little bit. Amen, I'm preaching to some folks. Amen, maybe, maybe you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust again. I don't know if I can believe again. I don't know if I can get my hopes up again. I have, I have put my, my trust in, in certain ones and they failed and they've come up short and they've shown their humanity. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I got enough feelings left. I don't know if I got enough heart left. Hey, it seems like my entire heart has been broken in a thousand pieces. I've come preaching to you, Mephibosheth. Amen. It may seem like you're alone, but you're not really alone. It may seem like all your hopes have died, but what you don't know is they're standing on the banks of the Jordan waiting on you. I said they're right there waiting on you. The king is going to give somebody a visit in this house, and hope is going to be revamped. Amen. Peace is going to come again. Amen. I believe somebody is going to have faith restored to their heart. I don't care how deep the hurt was, how deep the wound was. I'm telling you, God is able to restore completely. God is able to revive you. Somebody ought to just give him a wave offering right now all across this building. But the final, the final person, and these persons that I've been speaking and preaching about here tonight, in case you, you haven't picked it up, these represent groups of people. And this relates to us today. But the, the last one I want to speak about is Barzillai. Some of you might think, well, that's a funny name and an obscure person in Scripture. What could that possibly mean as far as relate to me? 
How could I get anything out of that? How could I receive anything from this man that is just just a thumbnail sketch of his existence in the Word of God? But Barzillai was a man that made his living doing a ferryboat service across the Jordan. And when David was leaving in exile and under the cloak of perhaps darkness and leaving the city and and needed protection. And uh, there were those that were trying to hunt him down among the army that Absalom had assembled. It was Barzillai that said, I'll take you, king. I won't tell anybody. When you left, where you went, I'll take you across the Jordan. And he helped him. He fed him. Nurtured him. And he was a friend to him. And David never forgot it. I'm going to tell you, in this world of so much disloyalty, in this world where people can just, uh, well, just wipe people off like something that is stuck to their shoe. You know, in this, in this era that we're living in when people don't remember the folks that helped them, it would behoove you to remember anybody that's give you a leg up. It would behoove you. I can't, I can't uh, fail to remember through the years people, men of God, and I, I thank the Lord many times. I, thank the Lord for His church and part of that is is I thank the Lord for the contributions that the church has made to me and to my family and helping me encouraging me and strengthening me and praying for me and teaching me and instructing me I thank God for every evangelist I thank God for every Sunday school teacher I thank God for the pastors that have been in my life I I thank God uh, for their influence I thank God for pastors wives Amen. That helped me and prayed with me and, and believed in me and encouraged me. Amen. And over and over again, I thank the Lord for that. We need to remember, and David never forgot what Barzillai had done for him. And so when it came time for him to cross that Jordan, go back to Jerusalem, he said, Barzillai, we're going to have a great celebration when we get over there. We're going to have a great party when we get over there. There's going to be a lot of feasting and there's going to be a lot of music that's going to be playing in the celebration. And there's going to be people that's going to be rejoicing and dancing at the return of the king. There's going to be a great festival that goes on there. It's going to be a great opportunity for everybody to come together and rejoice in what God has done in restoring the king that he had anointed back to the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to come with me. And our Barzillai drops his head. He said, do you realize how aged I am? Do you know that I'm four score years old? I'm 80 years old. I'm telling you, I cannot taste food like I used to taste and enjoy it. I can't hear music like I used to enjoy music. And I could not, if I even wanted to, join in in the dancing and the rejoicing. I'm too old for all of that. So basically what he was saying is my best days are behind me. If you'd have caught me 40 years ago, David, and when this revival came to Jerusalem, I'd have been right there in the center of it. I'd have been the biggest part of it. I'd have been the one that was rejoicing the most and dancing and celebrating the most. But I'll just be honest with you. All of those days are behind me. I couldn't enjoy it if I want to. And I could see David trying to persuade him to join in. But this is a picture of a man that thinks 
that he is a has-been, that feels like his best days are behind him, that he doesn't have any hope for the future. I want to preach to somebody. I want to let somebody know in this house, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what has gone on in your life and days gone by. It doesn't matter how used up you feel. It doesn't matter, amen, whether or not you have the strength and the vitality that you would like to have. It doesn't matter if you have the health that you once had in your youth. God wants everybody in Landmark Pentecostal Church to be a part of the revival that He is giving to this assembly. God wants every person in the sound of my voice, young and old. This is not just a revival for the young folks. This is not just a revival for the middle aged. This is not just a revival for the young couple. But this is a revival that includes everybody. God, one more time, wants us to celebrate victory. God, one more time, as He makes His entrance, as He makes Amen, His kingdom reign in this house again. I know that God wants to bless each and every person that is in this place. So I'm encouraging you tonight be a part of the celebration. Elbow your way in to the crowd and say, I'm going to be a part. I'm not just going to sit back. I'm not just going to relax. I'm not just going to give the excuse that my best days are behind me. But there's a little bit more there that you can worship God about. There's a little bit more that God wants to do in your life. There's greater things that the Lord wants to do to help you in this place. Give me a little bit more monitor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, stand with me right now. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, there's blessings that God wants you to partake of. He wants you to taste of. He wants you to experience. There's things that God wants to do in your life. There's areas that God wants to continue to bless you in. And you can be a part of this. See, it's so easy for people to get to a certain point in their life and think, well, I've done about all I can do and I've contributed as much as I can contribute. And I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lay back a little bit. But I just wonder, and I think this is really what the devil fears more than probably anything else. If us as a church collectively would lean into this thing and put our shoulder to this thing, and as one thrust and one effort in unity begin to push, push for revival. Oh, you talk about hell being in trouble. You talk about breakthrough happening. When everybody gets in their place and they give it all they've got and they don't just depend on somebody. It's easy to ride somebody else's coattail. It's easy to ride somebody else's worship. It's easy to ride on somebody else's consecration. You ought to thank God that this church is held to its consecration. It's held to its God-given convictions. It's held to the truth all of these years. But you need to stand up and say I'm going to be a part of of standing for that. I'm going to be a part of pushing on for revival in my day. Amen. And I'm not just going to excuse myself and say, well, I don't have the strength that I used to have. I'm going to give it everything I've got for this last thrust of revival. 
Every believes that the coming of the Lord is near. Every believes we're living in the last days. How many knows beyond any shadow of doubt the earth and the world cannot continue as it is? Come on. The Bible talks about the earth convulsing. Have you ever seen such as what's going on in this world right now? I'm not talking about what's coming. I'm not talking about what's happened 10 years ago. I'm talking about what happens daily in this world. This world is convulsing. I have people call me all the time. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? I ask elders, have you ever seen anything like this? They said, never in my life have I ever experienced anything close to this. As a matter of fact, I pray for you young pastors all the time because I've never experienced anything like this in all of my years of ministry. Some of them have been in the ministry full time for over 50 years tell me the same thing, every one of them to a man. I'm just preaching to you tonight. If there ever was a time that we need to get into this thing, and so I'm going to lean in and push with everything I've got, because we've got to be in the last thrust of what's going on. Amen. I don't know how many years, I don't know how many months, I don't know how many days, but I know this, when He comes, I want to be found working. When He comes, I want to be found giving it everything I've got. When He comes, I want to be one of those that are pushing for revival. I don't want to be dead weight when he comes. I don't want to be relaxed on a church pew somewhere when he comes. I don't want to be depending on somebody else when he comes. I want to put my heart into it and give it everything I've got.